Welcome to another edition of the Battling Pickle Podcast. This is the podcast feed that I, Dr. John Westfall, have created in order to put all of my podcasting material in for all the classes that I teach. This summer, as I record this, I am teaching educational psychology graduate level to a number of students, uh, both in summer one session in June and then again in summer two in July. And today I want to talk a little bit about the learner survey that I gave out at the beginning of the semester and one of the topics that a student suggested, which is the pros of standardized testing. So let's get started with this particular podcast. And the topics are a little bit uh, diverse in a sense. Uh, The first is the learner survey that I gave out at the beginning of this semester. And part of that survey, when I was putting it together, there's a few things on there that everyone needs to have in terms of you know, about you and your background in teaching and those sorts of things. That's really helpful for me because it lets me understand a little bit more about my students. But I also wanted to get some general reactions. So I asked a question in there about what fairness was. And I also asked a question about what the ideal classroom would be, what the best classroom would be. And that's the topic I want to talk a little bit about because that's where we generated some really interesting discussion. The reason that I asked what, I think the actual wording of the question was, if you walked into the best teacher's classroom, what would it look like? And I asked that because in talking with some of my colleagues who have spent uh, much more time in the K through 12 classroom than I have, they said, you know, a common misconception is that if you walk into a classroom and the students are all on task and quiet, then that's a that's good. That's what the teacher should be doing. And the best classrooms that we've ever seen, there's a lot of activity. There's a lot of things happening and students working in small groups, students, uh, you know, conferencing with each other, going and talking with the instructor. And there's there's some level of activity. It's not just the stereotypical everyone sitting there quietly writing away feverishly as they're working on something. And so I thought it'd be very interesting to ask my students coming in who have varying degrees of teaching ability and experience. So for example, in this particular semester in June of 2021, we have students who are coming back for a master's degree after spending decades in the classroom. And we have students that have not had their own classroom yet. They're still, uh, they just finished up their undergraduate degree and they're getting their graduate degree. The best classrooms, according to my students this semester, are classrooms that are safe. I thought that was interesting to have come out. And this is safe, not only from a physical standpoint, but emotionally safe. Students are free to express themselves, talk about things, have some level of reassurance that they're not going to get attacked, they're not going to get verbally shot down. Colorful and happy. A lot of people mentioned the artwork on the walls and the way the room was decorated. And these are things that I think can go either way. Sometimes I think you can have a very good teacher who does not have everything as colorful and designed from an artistic standpoint. And then you can also have a really poor teacher who does a really good job with design and maybe spends too much time on design of their classrooms. So 
you know, I think the, the wording that I saw was colorful and happy. I think happy is probably the more important part there. As I mentioned earlier, there were enough people who pointed out that the noise level would be not zero. There would be some low noise level. It wouldn't be so loud that you couldn't concentrate, but there also would not be just this complete lack of noise. A few people pointed out that the teacher would be something you would zero in on, um, not surprisingly, uh, but that they would be positive, organized, confident, compassionate. That's a lot for a teacher to have to maintain at all times, but that is sort of our quintessential best teacher that you see having those things. And then another one that I thought was really interesting where a few people pointed out the environment going beyond just safe. They said, you know, there would be some level of uh, comfort there. So maybe um, a place that's rather relaxing, you know, some place for a child to walk and go sit for a few moments and reflect or uh, even coffee and small snacks. I don't know if you're going to give coffee to the kids, but, you know, some level of, you know, water being available. I really enjoy that idea that a very productive classroom, and you obviously need to have student buy-in on this as well, can have those particular aspects to it. So I really commend the students in the June 2021 uh, class for their insight into these things. Like I said, wide range of topics uh, or wide range of experiences. Speaking of topics, I also asked on that survey what sort of podcast topics students would like to see. And I, I cannot get to all of them. Uh, I will read you some of them, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to unpack some of them this semester. But some of them will probably become undoubtedly uh, future semester's topics. Uh, so if you are in the class now and you're thinking, oh, gee, I really wish that I would have been able to get that topic, uh, subscribe to the podcast feed, and it might show up uh, in June, in July or maybe this fall, et cetera. But some of these were learning across the lifespan, specifically dementia. Is it a set point or can people with dementia still learn? People with dementia can still learn, but the easiest thing is to try to avoid dementia altogether, which is possible. Uh, a topic that we'll talk about today, the pros of standardized testing. That's a a hard topic to find things on because quite honestly, there are not a lot of pros of standardized testing, um, but we'll try to uncover a couple of them today. Different learning methods that will be utilized in the classroom, autism and mainstream classrooms, specifically how to deal with outbursts, ways to motivate students, mindfulness and how being more mindful as teachers and also mindfulness in our students. Teaching in poverty, that's a great topic that has a lot of things that we could unpack in it. Uh, how to teach type A students to chill. And the person who wrote that said they might need that one too. So uh, maybe we will do an episode on how to teach your students how to chill and maybe how to be a little bit more chill yourself. Uh, how to help parents quit trying to relive their high school years through their children. Oh man, that is a great topic. I don't know if we're going to have uh, enough time on the internet to talk about how to help parents quit trying to relive their high school years through their children. Uh, it's okay if your child does not have the rest of their life planned at 18. Isn't that ironic? Most children, most people do not have the rest of their life planned even as they get to it. Um, end of graduate school PTSD. What to do with the free time you haven't had in a year? Yes, if you are a master's student and you're getting close to the end, you will hopefully enjoy that. 
Uh, but this person also put on a serious note, being a teacher, that all students feel support them, uh, being an approachable and accountable teacher, inclusion, best practices. And a few last topics that people had to uh, see or hear a lecture about trauma and how trauma impacts students. It's a great topic that we'll try to get a, a lecture or a podcast on. Um, and then new ways to promote student engagement and motivation. That's sort of something a number of people have uh, talked about is motivation and uh, engagement. And I still have about a handful of those learner surveys to review. So I will uh, be doing those. If you're in my class right now and you're wondering, what about mine? Uh, you'll hear more about them as we go. But let's, uh, let's get into this pros of standardized testing, you know, if there are any. So as I mentioned, it's uh, it's hard to find pros of standardized testing. You know, standardized testing is one of those things that we are with for uh, good and bad. And the bad we often hear about, you know, the stress level that this causes on both students and instructors, the varying degree to which does it actually predict your success? Does it actually do what it's supposed to be doing? Uh, we know that parents uh, often think that uh, standardized testing is a good measure or a solid measure of their children's ability. This is uh, something that the Associated Press and Nork Center for Public Affairs Research found um, just within the last couple of years in a survey that they ran, um, as cited by Miller, Turner, and Wilson Simmons of uh, 2020. So, we know that there are cons and we know that parents think there are pros. So what exactly can you use standardized testing for? What is it good for? How does it work well? And to talk about that, I found a paper that was published last year in the Economics of Education Review called The Impact of Standardized Test Feedback in Math, Exploiting a Natural Experiment in Third Grade. This is by Boschert, uh, Mundberg Eriksson, and Visby Kogpolt. I don't know if I've pronounced any of that right. Uh, but if you are interested in looking this up for yourself, the DOI number uh, is uh, 10.1016/j.econendurev. So E C O N E D U R E V. Period 2020. Period 10 2017. This paper is interesting. It's looking at standardized testing in early schooling, in third grade specifically. And it's looking at the use of a standardized test for something other than just the score. And that is where I think we can actually see a pro. We often think about standardized testing as you're done when you get the score. You know, if you pass, great. If you don't pass, oh well, Maybe you have to take it again. Maybe there's more serious consequences. But the end of the life cycle, in essence, is when you get the score. There's nothing, you know, until, and then you start preparing for the next standardized test. What they actually found, and what I thought was interesting, was they went in and gave feedback to all of the children based on the standardized test. And this is something that often in education we might not have the ability to do because we might not get to see 
our own version of the feedback of the standardized test. Our students might get their score and we might not be able to see exactly what items they got wrong and exactly how they you know, answered them, those sorts of things. But in this case, they were able to give them feedback and it found that educational performance in math in third grade can improve um, in future you know, years based on this uh, feedback and how this information is given. Uh, and it didn't matter if it was a high uh, performing child or low performing, there were equal gains. And there were also subjective well-being measures, you know, and they found that there was really no evidence that the way that low achieving students felt after getting negative feedback, there was really no evidence that it changed their academic confidence or their intrinsic motivation. So in other words, if you did really well, you got feedback that said, hey, you did really well. Here's the few things that you got wrong. Here's how to get better at them. If you didn't do really well, it was feedback framed in the idea of, hey, you didn't do so great, but you know what? Here's what you got wrong. Here's how you can do better. Here's a growth mindset in a sense. And that growth mindset is one of those things that is insulating against the negative feedback because now it's not you're dumb and you should feel bad about your performance. It's, hey, everyone can do better and let's see how you can do better. So that's probably why they didn't find evidence that low performing students were particularly sensitive to the negative feedback from the tests. They weren't, it wasn't bashing them uh, in the head saying you did this wrong. What it was basically doing is saying, let me help you use this testing experience for something productive. Instead of it being something that you will find negative and you will find annoying and you may even find um, extremely discouraging, let's use this for something better. And that is, I think, the real pro of standardized testing. The real pro is that it can be used as a tool, just like any other tool in our teaching uh, toolbox. But we often don't think of it as that. We think of it as the end of the line and not the middle. And if it can be the middle, it can be extremely useful for our students. Now, if you would, uh, you know, if you have time and you want to find more evidence of the pros of standardized testing, I would love to hear what you find. Because like I said, there's a lot of research out there that just continually bashes it, and rightly so. But obviously, if we're stuck with it, we've got to find some ways to make use of it. The feedback and the ability to use it as a tool versus just a benchmark, I think, is a very powerful one. If you find other positive comments about standardized testing and positive empirical research, such as this paper, uh, like I found in the Economics of Education Review, go ahead and send me a message. You can go to anchor.fm slash battlingpickle and choose the message button there and feel free to record a short message or send me, a me send me an email or send me a Canvas message or tweet me at, at John Westfall, whatever you wanna use and let me know what you found. And I'd love to talk about it in a future episode because this is an area where, man, if we're gonna be stuck with standardized testing, we should have some something good that we can say about it other than just we're happy when it's over. There you have it. This has been a little bit shorter of an episode of the Battling Pickle podcast where we talked about the learner survey responses. We also talked about the pros of standardized testing. As a reminder, 
you can interact with the podcast, uh, if, especially if you're not in my class this semester. If you're just one of my podcast listeners who's found it interesting to subscribe, please do let me know your thoughts. You can always tweet me at John Westfall, J-O-N-W-E-S-T-F-A-L-L. And hopefully you've gotten something out of this. I look forward to talking to you all in the future and grabbing some of those great topics that students gave me and using those for future episodes. Thank you.